Congregation, let us consider what we find in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 46. Questions 120 and 121. 120. Why has Christ commanded us to address God thus, our Father? Answer that immediately, in the very beginning of our prayer, he might excite in us a childlike reverence for and confidence in God, which are the foundation of our prayer, namely that God is become our Father in Christ, and will much less deny us that we ask of him in true faith, then our parents will refuse us earthly things. Question 121. Why is the edit which art in heaven? And so lest you should form any earthly conceptions of God's heavenly majesty, and that he may expect from his almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. So far, the address of the most perfect prayer. Right? That's easy. That's obvious. The address of the most perfect prayer. It is about our Father who waits art in heaven. That's the address. Five thoughts. The beginning of our prayer. I read about that in the answer 120, 120, that immediately in the very beginning of our prayer. So let's talk about the beginning, the very beginning of our prayer. Something immediate. Secondly, the foundation of our prayer. You also find that word in the hypercatechism, childlike reverence for and confidence in God, which are the foundation, essentials, pillars of our prayer. In the third place, a God-fearing prayer. Fearing, kind of awe, respect, as we find in 121, which are in heaven, that we should not have earthly conceptions of his heavenly majesty and expect all things from him because he is almighty. In the fourth place, then he put this piece in the context of the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew 6 and 7, that's where it is from, invited to pray to the Father. Right? You, you, you remember? Ask and seek and knock. Those words. It's the context also of this most perfect prayer. Ask. Oh, please do. Seek. Knock. Come, do it. And in the fifth place, the blessing of having a heavenly Father. Also, explained in the Sermon on the Mount. So the address, the most perfect prayer, the beginning 
the prayer, the foundation, the prayer, a God-fearing prayer, invited to pray to the Father and the blessing of having a heavenly Father. Congregation of the prayer. I've studied many times, right? Preached on it many times. And over and again, it is impressed on my heart. How beautiful. How well said. This must be something divine. And I read of a certain lady, Steele, from England, that she read this first line of the most perfect prayer, Our Father, which is in heaven, and that convinced her of the divinity of the Bible. She thought it is so beautiful, even the, only the beginning already. It's so warm, so all-inclusive, our, and then also balanced with in the heavens. There's so much more. Also, the ending of this prayer, right? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And those two sets of three petitions, the first set about thy, 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 and the second set about us, 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 right? Because thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. And it's all about thee. Thy name be glorified. And give us, our, uh, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. And lead us, us not into temptation. And it's, it's all in there. So beautifully worded. It is what we call self-authentication to make something authentic, to say that it's real. So creation is self-authentic, right? Because we see it. It is impossible to deny creation. Just open your eyes and look at the world. Look through the microscope. Look, look through the telescope. There must be a God that's self-authenticating. And the Bible is self-authenticating. And also this prayer is proof of divinity. Last week we saw what I'd like to repeat that this prayer is not the prayer of an unconverted friend who is under conviction and is struggling and has no forgiveness and has no new heart as far as he knows, as far as she knows. But that's not what it is. It's not the prayer in the, in the back of the sanctuary of that man, that publican, that said, Oh God, be merciful and be a sinner. That's also a prayer, but that's different. That is the prayer under conviction. It's a prayer with, without that assurance. And now there's a prayer of someone who knows that the Lord has worked. And he knows that he may say, Our Father... Because God has become his Father in Christ, as we see also explained to you. Namely, that God is become our Father in Christ. And, and the Father is not our Father by nature. Even God's people. Except they were born again before they were born. Like John the Baptist. But normally, 
people are born in their sins, right? And in their being born in their sins, they are not children of God. Even if they are chosen to become God's people, chosen to become adopted, chosen to say in the future, our Father, from the very beginning they are not children of the Lord. And they can say our Father in the same way. Maybe you can say Father of creation, a Father of the covenant, but not that he has become their Father in Christ. So this is a child of God. Last week we have put it in the context of friendship. Walking with God, remember? Walking with, having fellowship with the Lord. Having that connection with the Holy One. And there is more to say about that. The, 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 the God is also the father of his church and he is the husband of his church and the Savior of the church. But now, it is the prayer of a child of God. Let me prove that from the context as well. Matthew 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, be set in heaven. See that? Therefore. It says, therefore. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, because you have a Father in heaven, therefore say our Father. And that is commanded. The Lord Jesus told his disciples, therefore, pray ye. He wants them to. He invites them to. He's serious about it. He's commanding it even. As our Heilberg Catechism explains, why has Christ commanded us to pray so for us, our Father? Commanded? Yes, because it is important to the Lord. It's important to him that his church does not only address him as the Holy One, the Righteous One, the awe-inspiring One, the dreadful God. Not only that, the Lord is really honored, really honored, if his people, in true faith, seriously, with opening, say yes. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then it comes out that heart, when it is sincere and God-given, that's really God-honoring. And that is what the Lord is commanding. The Lord is not commanding to, to just say it with your head. 
but he's commanding it to believe it and to realize it and to express it in faith. But you may, may say, are there also other prayers in the Bible beginning in a different way? Yes. Daniel 9, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and the mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned. You read for yourself, Daniel 9. So, is it inconsistent then? The Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples, you must pray, our Father. There are also prayers in the Bible, not like that, like Daniel 9. Well, I would not say that praying to the Holy One and the Righteous One is per se wrong. But at least praying our Father is a step deeper, step closer. And that's encouraged. And let us not forget that Daniel 9 is in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. In the New Testament is more opening, more freedom, more liberty, more assurance. You may say, well, if that's the case, I don't even dare to say it anymore. I'm not going to pray our Father anymore. Maybe you say, at home I always prayed our Father, and I knew it was the most perfect one. And now you are saying that Father is the prayer of a child of God, so I am not a child of the Lord. I'm not praying it anymore. Well, that's an easy way to get out of it. But you should be a child of the Lord, right? You can become a child of the Lord. The door is even open. And he is still adopting sinners. So they may become children of the Lord. And you know what you read about that in John 1, don't you? In John, John 1 is clear about that. But as many as received him, that is the Lord Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As many as received Christ, to them has he given the power, the authority, the right to be called the sons of God, Namely to them, underlining again, them that believe on his name. So if sinners with their sins believe in his name, then they're automatically accepted by him. Then they, then, then they are God's people. Then he is their father. And that's quite a, quite a mouthful. And it's quite a deep thing. It's, it's so high. It's so unbelievable, so incredibly high. To, to realize that sinners could be a child of God. And it's so deep. I understand the, the hesitancy. And yet, the Lord invites. 
So the Lord is the Lord is honored by that. You also think of Ephesians one. Ephesians one, verse five and six, you also read about adoption. So God becoming your father, and how God honoring that is. So saying our father, meaning saying Lord, I am an adopted one, is really honoring to the Lord. Prove Ephesians one, verse five and six. Having predestinated us from eternity, chosen unto the adoption of children. Right? Chosen in Him, predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself for God's honor according to the good pleasure of his will, it pleases him to the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Because his grace is glorious and needs to be praised. The praise of the glory of his grace. So that is really God-honoring. When people have been predestinated to the adoption and say our Father, that is according to the good pleasure of His will, that is praising the glory of His grace. You know that the Lord also has delight in praising Him for His power, and for His design, and for creation. Right? You go outside and you look at nature, you say, Oh Lord, how great thou art. I see thy design. I see thy workmanship. I see the sun. I see the moon. I see the stars. I see so many things. So God is glorified, Psalm 19, in creation. But God is even more glorified in salvation. Because the Lord likes to show something to people that they had no idea they want to show something to people that they say, it can't be. That's impossible. That's, that's so strange. It is so great. I can't believe it. It was the Lord's purpose. That he adopted people. He gave them not only grace, he didn't only forgive their sins, he made them his people. So that, our, that he is their father. He has adopted them, legally adopted them. And the Lord is doing that to show his patience, his glory. So he has predestinated people to himself for his glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And that's expressed in the sentence, Our Father. Then the Lord hears that. Lord says, that's really honoring to me. I really like to hear that. It's just a delight to me. That is the pleasure according to my will. Our Father, that means that he is infinitely good, powerful, wise, forgiving, tender, and so much more. 
It's a great blessing having such a father in the heavens. So the purpose of saying our father which art in heaven is to to excite, to stimulate from the very beginning that childlike fear and confidence from the very beginning. So that should not be that should not come later in prayer. That you begin with something dark and difficult and heavy. And then in the course of, of your prayer you become lighter and more joyful. Not from the very beginning. Lord this is from the very beginning. Immediately. In the very beginning of our prayer. He wants to excite in his people that childlike reverence. And how is Lord exciting it and encouraging it? By letting them say it. So the Lord says, it's my desire that you say our Father. And that should be such an incentive. There should be such a so encouragement that from the very beginning, God's people have something of that familiarity, of that closeness, that vark with God. But let's go to the second thought. The foundation of our prayer is overlap and warning between one and two. He might excite in us a childlike reverence for and confidence in God, which are the foundation of our prayer. Foundation of our prayer, the pillars, the, the essentials, the, the cornerstones. So something in prayer is really important. It's important that we may say the end amen or something, but that's, that's one of the, of the, of the details. But the, the, the two big things, most important things, is childlike reverence and confidence in God. What is childlike reverence? Also called filial fear. Well, we know that in the Bible we often read about fearing people, God fearing people, fearing the Lord. He is, there's a person who fears the Lord. And if you're not raised with the Bible, you may think, what? Being afraid of God? If you talk to people from no church background, have no Bible, and we say we, we fear God, they don't understand that. They say, are you afraid of him? And that's essential. But that fear in God in the Bible is childlike fear. is filial fear. And that means that it is a fear with more of respect, not being petrified and just shy and just flee and go because the mountains may have to cover us because we can't face him. No. 
it's more that deep respect the child has for father or mother with the authority at home. And there's a connection, there's love, there is trust, but also he is father. He, is, he has authority. He has something to say. He is in church. And so the Lord desires children, his children, sinners, to see our Father, which is in heaven, with the childlike fear. They are his children. And also with confidence in God. Confidence in God. The Lord really likes that. Do you like it when you go to your grandchildren and the little boy, the little girl doesn't want to be in your arms? As grandfather, as grandmother? Or what if your own father, your own a father, a mother, a child does not, not, not recognize him anymore? He's afraid of that. He's afraid of mom. I think that brings people sometimes to tears, I would think. Right? Because they, they like it if the child or the grandchild knows me and is not afraid of me. I love that. To see that they're not afraid of me. Right? Now, if you approach the Lord, they're afraid of him. Is that God honoring? If you have no confidence in him, you don't trust him, you just rather run. So that's why it is important to have not only the childlike reverence, but also the confidence, the faith. This is saying the faith that's also mentioned later. And will much less deny us what we ask of him in true faith. Then our parents will refuse us earthly things. So a child is asking the Father for all the things of body and soul and has the trust that my Father will take care of me. He will do that. A child, if it is well, has no doubt about it at all. Has all the confidence in dad, all the confidence in mother. And it really hurts when people open their mouth in prayer to God. Say, Lord, I'm afraid. I don't trust thee. This is not good. And I yet understand if you're not one of his. If you're one of, one, one of his, it should be different. And if you're not one of his, you should become one of his. Which is possible. Which should be a major thing. When you go to Vancouver, there are still places with panhandlers and beggars. It's amazing that in a city like Vancouver, you see so many street people. It's a shame. We should take care of them much better. Although it's also their responsibility. But you know, they are they're used to that, right? Used to people saying no. Or just ignoring them. 
I'm not going to give you anything. Maybe you're rich. You better work. So, is it easy not to give something to those people? I think, in a way, it might be because there's no relationship. And they don't count on it per se that all the people will donate something. Because those, those, those people who walk in there on the street are, are strangers to them. But in a Christian prayer, God should not be a stranger. But someone you know, pleading and imploring a well-known God. So praying is characterized by childlike fear, childlike reverence, and confidence in God, which is the foundation of our prayer. And if that foundation is not there, not there Something is missing, right? Something is missing. It's important. And this is not only for salvation. This is about all the small details in life. All the things you're concerned about. About your health and your work and the garden and your children and your husband and the relationships and you name it. All little things are all included. So, that's the life of God's people of it as well. To lay it all at his feet and to say, Lord, I highly honor thee, I respect thee, and I have confidence in thee. Because thou hast become my God and my Father, and I just leave it all in thy hands. That's the foundation of prayer. But this prayer is also a God-fearing prayer. Question 121. Why is there added which art in heaven? So balanced, so beautiful. Because the danger of emphasizing the fellowship, the walk with God, the friendship, the adoption and all those beautiful things that he is also the husband of his church. I'll talk about the closeness and the tenderness, but there is a danger to that. Namely, that you think that God is on the same level. We are friends, type of thing. That's, that's not something you're reading about. We are friends. That is, we read about friends in the Bible, and we read about that God's people may say, Father, and we see a few times that he says, you are, you are my friends, but not, uh, not, 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 not in the sense of that they're equal. That would be wrong. So the relationship might be tender, is tender and real and warm and amiable, affectionate and caring and loving, it is never flippant. I don't know any other words for the word flippant. I try to find them and I'm not so sure. Is uh, jokey something or glib? I don't, I don't know. 
But it's, it is serious. It is special. It is a closeness. It's a friendship. But it's still also combined with humility. Like Psalm 2 speaks of rejoicing with trembling. Rejoicing with trembling. Have you ever rejoiced with trembling? Ever rejoiced in the Lord and still the deep respect? Believing in Him and trusting Him and still shaking? So that is that combination in the Bible. You know, the, the joy in the Bible and faith in the Bible is never trivial. It's never superficial. It's never shallow. Those are the words I could use, right? So we should not have earthly conceptions of His heavenly majesty. He's the Holy One, the Almighty One. And not holy and almighty only because He uh, wants to balance it, and not only regarding salvation, but also because He wants to ex- He wants the, the church to feel and to, 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 to be confident of His power, not only of His justice, also His power, not only His righteousness, also His ability. So, which art in heaven doesn't only point to His holiness but his power, right? So that means not only, Lord, I fear thee, but also I trust that thou art able to do this, because thou art not a God on earth, but a God in heaven. And that's the trust. And that we may expect from his almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. So let's go to the fourth thought. Invited to pray to the Father. As I said, part of of this, this, this Lord's Prayer is part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount you can find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, beginning with the Beatitudes and ending with the uh, uh, parable of the wise and foolish builder. And in between is the Sermon on the Mount. So the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples and instructed them. And we, we think of them close to him and his, his living church and also other people in the back rows interested. And Lord Jesus spoke to them. He spoke also about being a father and childlike fear and about prayer. So let me show you a few verses connected to praying our, our father. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Let me first read it and then go over it. Ask, right? Commanded, 
Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And them that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there? Of you whom of his, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how good to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, Give good things to them that ask him. See that invitation and the promises connected to that? Ask. So the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, Ask. Ask him. Ask me. I like to give things. I want you to ask. I want you to come to me. Ask. And it shall be given you. So ask, seek, knock. Think of those three words. It's kind of, it's not the same. Ask, seek, knock. Asking is something you do when your father is next to you. That, you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to seek, you don't have to knock. You just say, please, I have a need, this is my problem. Please help me. But sometimes the feeling is that the Lord is not there. Then you have to seek. So you're seeking in the house and seeking maybe somewhere else until you find him. But it's not supposed that you discover that he's in a room and the door is closed. And you knock on the door. So in three different ways, the Holy Spirit says in Matthew 7, we must pray as asking and maybe even seeking and knocking. It's probably not, it's all three through the same time, right? That this is that's what prayer is. And it's in the commanding tense, not I would ask or may you be given to ask. Oh, I hope you'll learn to ask. No, it says, ask. Ask. Seek. Knock. It's true that this is in the context of a prayer of a child of the Lord. So the child of the Lord needs to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep approaching the Father in true confidence and childlike reverence. But it's a parallel also, of course, for others who are not God's people. That they also should ask, right? And also should seek, and also should knock on the door in order to be saved, not only to receive the help for body and soul in general, but to be saved. I hope to come back to that. 
also see those promises. Ask and shall be given you. It shall be. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and, ye sh- and it shall be opened unto you. Shall. It's certain. It's not a possibility. It is a fact. And then also that word everyone. Did you see that? For everyone that asketh receiveth. No matter what. No matter how sinful, no matter how this or that, young or old, rich or poor, whatever. For everyone, that nobody exclude himself, that everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, to him that knoweth shall be opened. And then there is that, exp- uh, that example of, of fathers, right? If ye then being evil, really? Yes, the Lord speaking to the disciples and to his church, that there are, are, are all evil, and all evil fathers, and evil mothers. There are no perfect fathers. There are no perfect mothers. And there is difference, of course, there's difference. Some are good fathers and some less good fathers. I had a very good father. But yet in the Lord's eyes, they're all evil fathers. And you know what is possible? It's possible to be adopted by a father who is 10,000 times more perfect, 10,000 times better and more. Because God the Father is the most perfect father. Cannot be better. So compassionate, so caring, so pitying them that fear him. It's so satisfying. There's such a happiness if he is your father, then you have all you need. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your have your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So ask yourself the question if that holy most perfect father is your father. Because if that's the case, then you can easily forgive your fathers for all their flaws and all the mistakes they have made. So invited to pray to the Father. We also read those invitations in the Old Testament. Here are a few, Isaiah 45, 19, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not, I said not, unto the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I didn't say that. I've never said that. Said that. I will never say it. I never say, seek me for nothing. In vain, it will be disappointing. Not happening. 
They that ask will be heard. They that seek will find. Or Proverbs, Proverbs 8, 35, For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Or Isaiah 55, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Do you need an abundance of pardoning love? Do you need a little bit? Somewhat? What an abundance. When the Lord opens your understanding, you need a lot. You need a lot of God's grace. You need all. And there is also the grace. Or Amos 5, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek me, and ye shall live. Ye shall live. But the most impressive text I know about the invitation and uh, call to pray is Isaiah 65. I have spread out my hands. Spread out my hands. All the day. All the day. Constantly. And to a rebellious people. And to a people that is not only wrong, they rebel. They are obstinate. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. People, did you hear that? Provoking me to anger continually to my face even, right in my face. They sacrifice garden in gardens and burn incense on all the brick. So the Lord is saying, I spread out my hands and So that text is not in the context of being converted and praying our Father is in heaven. It's a different context. But it goes parallel, right? So finally, the blessing of having a heavenly father. Congregation, we looked at Matthew 7 already. And there are also a few pieces on the blessings of having a father. Remember, children, that piece of a father who shall ask him something to eat. Can I have a slice of bread? Can I have a Bun, I'm hungry. And his father gives him a stone on his plate. Stone. You can eat that. That's hard. That's sarcastic. That's evil. Or a father, a child is asking 
a fish to eat, and the father gives a serpent, a snake, a poisonous snake. A real father won't do that. And so, if evil fathers are giving good gifts unto the children, ask them, how much more will the father give the bread? And will the father give the fish instead of a serpent? So a father knows what's best. Talk about a snake. Suppose uh, there is a pet store and there is a rattlesnake in there. And they sell the rattlesnake. I don't know if that ever happens. It is possible in, in, in Canada. There's a child goes with his parents to the, to the store and looks at the rattlesnake and just heaves it through the glass, the rattle, and says, can I hold it? And da- dad says, no. No, absolutely not. I don't allow that. It will bite you. It will kill you. No, it looks so nice. Those beautiful colors. I like it, Dad. No. Is it, is it understood, children? And so sometimes fathers say no, right? I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to have that. I don't want you to say that. And that's also for God's people. God's people asking the Lord, I want this. I want that. Some that the Lord says, no. I'm not giving that. It's not good for you. Yeah, but it would be so beneficial. I would love it. I would love that solution to my problem. And the Lord says, it won't be good for you. I know it much better than you do. So then God's people have to trust the Lord that he will make the right choices for them. Because he has promised to never hurt them unnecessarily. By the way, when you think of the regeneration and justification and sanctification and adoption, what is the best? What is the sequence? How would it feel if a child of God was only regenerated, only alive? Where? New heart, but not a child of God. What if your sins will be forgiven? Like a judge can just say, just go. I, I just don't charge. Don't lay charges. So the Lord can forgive. Is that what God's people are interested in? To just, just have forgiveness? What about sanctification? Did the Lord just changes them from the inside out? And they begin to show a new life. Adoption is more. Adoption is not only forgiveness, not only making alive, not only cleansing, it's taking home and being the father and taking care of it for everything. 
So I think that is possibly probably the reason why the Lord's, the Lord's prayer begins with our Father. Because that's the, 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 the adoption, especially Ephesians 1, the adoption especially is predestinated to the praise of the glory of God's grace. But let me use the last few minutes to just explain, to show you a little bit more on how good adoption is. Psalm 103, like as a father, pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. So the pity today means kind of something else than in the days of the King James origin. So pity means compassion, having compassion. So the father has a real deep compassion with his children as a father. Can you live without that? Are you not jealous of that? Don't you see that? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It's just incredible. What manner of love is that? It's such a deep love. The Lord doesn't only pay the price for his people and forgives his people and cares for his people, but he loves them so that he would like to have you close to me. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So God's people are heirs of God. They're legally God's sons and daughters, and they get inherited. You know, when elderly people die, they leave something behind for their offspring because they are the legal fathers and the legal mothers. And so God's people are the legal offspring of God. I may use it offspring because the Apostle Paul does it too. And Hebrews 12, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. See? So the Lord is the father of his people, and he also chastises, disciplines them, corrects them, and they need that. It's so beneficial to, to them. Furthermore, we have had fathers of flesh which corrected us, we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? See, angels don't have that. Angels are not adopted. Angels are not God's people. There's angels, servants. They miss that. But the Lord has 
chosen something for his people that is so dear and tender, so close. Think about that. That angels don't have that. And God's children also begin to resemble their father. That's not the case with adoption. These are different genes, right? But God's people begin to resemble more. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, they re- receive that renewing sin. They begin to resemble the image of God. So what is the foundation of your prayer? How do you begin your prayers? Is there anything of that childlike reverence and that confidence in the Lord? Is there any of that seeking in faith? Because the Lord is not pleased if in your prayers you only confess your unworthiness. Which is all it is. Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And even if you only ask, but there is that necessity of faith. Without faith, we cannot please God. And the faith, glory to God, is a gift. If that faith will be not a gift, it will be hopeless. But the Lord continues with saving people for himself to the praise of the glory of his grace. Amen.